is the television. It's all right there. All right there. Look, listen, Neil, pray. Commercials. Productive anymore. It needs to make things anymore. It's all automated. What are we for then? We're consumers, Jim. Ah, okay, okay. Buy a lot of stuff. You're a good citizen. But if you don't buy a lot of stuff, if you don't, what are you then? I ask you. What? Mentally ill. Back, Jim. Back. If you don't buy things, toilet paper, new cars, computerized blenders, electrically operated sexual devices, serial systems with brain implanted headphones, screwdrivers, miniature built in radar devices, voice activated computers. Take it easy, Jeffrey. Be calm. Right? That's right. You're a very attractive woman. Ah. So, uh, if you want to watch a particular television program, say, it's all my children or something, yeah. you, you, you go to the charge nurse, you tell the day, the time, the show you want to see is on, but you have to tell her before the show is scheduled to be on. There's this guy, and he was always requesting shows that are already played. Yes, no, you have to tell her before. He couldn't quite grasp the idea that the charge nurse couldn't make it be yesterday. She couldn't turn back time, thank you, Einstein. Now, he, he was nuts. He was a fruitcake, okay, Jim. He. it, Jeffrey. I want to get a shot. I warned you. Right, 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 right. I, I got a little carried away uh, explaining the inner workings of the institution to Jim. Hmm? We're still here. Sorry about last week. Uh, sorry we didn't do a show. It's all my fault. I take full responsibility. I am a confused human being who's trying to make the best of his life. But it doesn't matter now because we're here. Pals. Travis Roy, Air Pressure, Michael Govey at Cinema Podcast. And today we're going to do 12 Monkeys after we just technically passed our anniversary, Travis. What a big moment in time. Woo! Yeah. yeah. We, we, we took a little break. A little, uh, I mean, we don't take many breaks uh, on this show. You know, we don't take a lot of vacations, but I, 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 it ended up being one. You know, it's been so long since our last episode, I literally was able to get surgery and recover from it in the time between. Wow. Oh, well, That's impressive. Yeah. I had, I had like, my, this whole ham was like covered in a big gauze and all that shit. I had carpal tunnel release. And uh, and now it's like pretty much over and done with. That's how long it's been between episodes, which is weird. It's over and done with. It's over it's and lot. done it's with. It's over. <laughs> I love it. Eric you guys Branch from Griffith, Indiana. Yes, Welcome in. Reference. I have no yeah, clue what's what happening. Talking about. Uh, you've seen the movie. 
the band bottle rocket? Flamers. Oh, okay. It's in Bottle Rocket too, so that's why I always right. think of. I see paint. Tony Wilson. <laughs> Terrible reviews. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. Kira, Owen Wilson got a lifetime pass to be behind the scenes VIP lifetime pass for all Rolling Stones shows in perpetuity, and then yeah, he Blew lost it. The first it. night. Yeah, the first night. He just walked out on the stage while they were playing. Yeah, apparently Mick Jagger sent his like security over to take it back from him. I'm like, wow, that's he's done. He's done. That's tough. I feel like that's the venue's fault. Like, you know, put some bright lines down there, some tape, so people yeah. know where to stand. You know, get a clue. What the hell? But anyways, uh, it's not your fault, Owen. We're doing Twelve Monkeys today. This was Eric's choice. And we're going to dive right into it. A little bit different format. If you're a regular of the show, we're just going to get into it. We're going to talk about this movie, and then we're just going to go away. And if you're pissed about <laughs> it, please, please let us know. Slimaninepod at gmail.com. We really want to know if there's feedback about the show that you like or dislike. We want to hear from you. So cinnamoninepod gmail.com. So, wow, yeah, this is weird. Shocking. Okay, so uh, 12 Monkeys. <laughs> uh, 12 Monkeys is a movie from 1995 that Eric chose. I... Don't know if I'm going to have a story on this one, but I'll start with you as we always do, Travis. We always go back in time. We try to remember the first time we saw this movie. This is a big hit in the 90s, I I think. I'm pretty confident that's fair to say. Yeah, yeah, it was a big hit. I mean, I was already uh, a young Terry Gilliam fan because I've been a big fan of Brazil and Time Bandits, which we talked about before, and Fisher King I was a really big fan of. So I was like, excited about this movie but i'm i'm confused eric i need you to clarify something for me because we always talk about how you were i don't know kept at a pen or something like that where you weren't allowed to see movies that were over g-rated uh but i remember distinctly being in mrs merrill's science class with you and you telling me that this was a great movie that you saw in theaters and the band was lifted in 1993 so, yeah, I've been in the game oh. for a couple of years. <laughs> yeah. At that point. Okay. All right. Yeah, so you, so you saw it oh, in yeah. theaters, and uh, I didn't see it until it was on VHS. But I do remember you – I remember this being like – I mean, we were already friends by that point. Sure. Because uh, we became friends in eighth grade. But I do remember this being uh, like an early movie that we bonded over. Yeah, we missed out on a lot of Simons talking about Jeffrey Goins and uh, fucking uh, James <laughs> Cole. <laughs> That's for damn sure. A lot of projects missed out <laughs> Time on. Time travel theories. Body detentions. Oh, but yeah, I remember the first time because so, I, I mean, like I right, had seen well. seven too, and like this was a this, this was a no brainer. This is like oh, shit. Um, Brad Pitt fan and uh, Terry. I love I've loved Fisher King, so this was immediate. This was getting the theater opening night, and uh, I was fucking blown away. I walked out of the theater stunned at what I had just seen. Wow, young Eric Brancham, blown away. Did you stick around and see Blown Away as well, or uh, was that before this came out? Was that the year before? A couple of years before this, I think. Maybe the year before. <laughs> <laughs> I saw Blown Away in the theater. I'm not kidding. That did happen. Um, it was a big hit. That movie was a big hit. It, it was. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's Jeff Bridges. It's a real deal. A lot of U2. A lot of U2. <laughs> yeah, that's right. A lot of U2. Bomb making yes. U2 tracks. Uh, well, <laughs> that's right. Uh, one bomb. Okay, that's enough of that. So we can do that so joke. Dumb. for us. Yeah. <laughs> hey, look, look. Uh, fuck the bozos. Listen, I never saw this movie. There was a lot of talk from everybody about it, and especially in our group of friends, a lot of people talking about this movie, and I was just clueless on the references. I never saw this movie until about three years ago, two years ago. 
So wow, I don't have a yeah. I I wasn't sure it was for me at the time. I couldn't really get a vibe on it, and I I would have watched. It, I suppose I just never sat down and watched it either. But there was a lot of talk. I didn't get to be a part of it, so. I watched it for the first time a couple years ago. Now you've chosen it, Eric. So for me, this is like, oh, well, this is like a newer movie to me. I, but I do remember, hmm. you know, there was like crazy Brad Pitt. and Yeah. Yeah, it was, well, you know, this is the thing. When we do this show, we learn from yeah. each other about movies we've seen and we haven't seen. And it's sometimes That's we classic. get blown away. <laughs> Did I say blown the... away again? Yeah. Uh... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, what's a, what's a classic to one of us won't always be a classic to the other, but... Like I remember being when I remember seeing this when it came out and being blown away. <laughs> Shit. Okay. Too many references. Um, <laughs> and being amazed, startled, uh, uh, astounded by the fact that they had included a, the Tom Waits track "Earth Died Screaming." Mm. That was so wild to me. I'm like, oh, it's Tom Waits <laughs> in a movie. Like just, I didn't know anybody else even knew who he was because I was 13. I didn't understand that he was an extremely famous person already. Uh, isn't that funny so, when you're young that's how far it goes back yeah 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 fargo that's how fargo it goes back brad carroll's here in the live chat he says that movie is nuts which is fitting since i had a vasectomy this afternoon thank you for sharing brad uh might have to pop this one on tonight as i ice down my marbles that's a fine okay. idea you take and care of the marbles buddy. here Take care of them marbles, Brad. Chudpud's here. Last week, Chudpud went to Eastern State Penitentiary oh, in wow. Philly. Yeah, In the wow. hospital. That's right. Oh, the scene That's is so filmed cool. there from this yep. movie, 12 Monkeys. That's fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah this movie, it's like, took me, I watched this in Creed last week, so <laughs> I, mean, it's just, I was just living in Philadelphia again. I got really homesick. <laughs> With arms wide open. D All right, so. Different Creed. Oh, different Creed. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Yeah, um, I never thought of that creed. Why did I ever think of that creed? <laughs> well, this is a Terry Gilliam film, as uh, you guys mentioned. And what is the rating on IMDb? I'm going to say this is well-liked. It's not an 8, but it's probably a 7.5. That's exactly what I was uh, This has got to be up there. I'm, I'm going to say solid 8.0, no bullshit, up there in the pantheon of greatest. Whoa! You nailed it! I, oh, you fuck, nailed okay. it, Eric. Well done. Wow. wow. 8.0 on the okay. nose. Wow. Most impressive. I, Most impressive. All right, well. You don't see uh, it, Mike? Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I, no, I mean, I'm not revealing anything yet. I, I see why it makes sense to me, but I that's still a little harder than I thought it would have been, Travis, because we both agreed a 7.5 was good. But again, like... Where it wasn't a classic to you, it was a classic to a generation of people. Not you know, I mean, they just really. I mean, this was one that I I, I was not alone, and I think having the VHS on yeah. and you know regular regular repeating out. viewing in my teenage beautiful black VHS box. Anybody uh, just shocked? I'm just shocked. Ooh, anybody watch the TV no. show? <laughs> there was a TV show a few years ago, Twelve no. Monkeys. I did actually. I, I I didn't catch the last season, and not for, not because I didn't like it. I just kind of got distracted by life and just never went back to it. But I actually I did really like it. It's a departure. It's but this is based on a French short film type thing, which is also based uh, on yes. something else. Is, it it makes sense for there to be permutations of this that are vastly different from one another. So it it, it it's worth checking out that show. I'm glad you said that. Yeah, because it's in the opening credits based on a. Uh... Uh, shit, I probably could look it up, but yes. Uh, La Jete? Yeah, it's a very strange ah, film. thank it's you. It's just like yeah. a La series Jete? of still images. It's not even like a movie. It's very strange. It's like 20 minutes of like still images. It's like narr it's a narrative, but it's like still images and stuff instead of like 24 per frames per second film. 
Huh. And then kind of in keeping with that, I was always really, God, I almost said blown away again. <laughs> I was always really <laughs> impressed by the uh, soundtrack for this, the score for this. But I only did, you know, on this recent viewing, realized that that is Astor Piazzolla. I got to write the name down. Uh, you know, he's one of the most famous tango composers of all time, wow. apparently. And I, you know, unfamiliar to me, I was always like, oh, I love this score. This guy's, this Brad, whatever the fuck, is really talented. <laughs> oh, uh, no, it's world famous Astor Piazzolla. Piazzolo, Piazzolla. Did you, Mike, like did you get worn out by the every five seconds? <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, Goddamn. Accordion, yeah, accordion man it's yeah, yeah that, that's like the french tribute too right is that what they're trying to do there i, was, I kept thinking that the whole movie like Argent okay so it's argentinian i think oh accordions are argentinian well the tango is no but i'm thinking it's a cliche in the united states to think of france and paris and accordion music plays it, it's a stereotype that the u.s has created of them that's a good point. I'm I'm saying that Astor Piazzolla is Argentinian, or was. Oh, Argentinian. that's great. Well, good for him. That's but his, yes. Boop, boop. Yeah, you're right, Eric. It got on my nerves a little bit. I'm gonna not gonna deny that. I can't lie about that. But uh, you know, also, Spoovy is a dead heat on Rotten Tomatoes. It's tied 88 apiece for both sectors. The people who get paid to watch the films and the people who pay to watch the film. So how about that? 80 percent. That's fun. <laughs> We don't always see a tie. That's very unusual. And critical acclaim. Let's see. Douglas Davidson of Elements. Of, a, I like the name. I like alliteration. Douglas Davidson of Elements of Madness said, the fact that we, the audience, begin to question whether or not Cole is a time traveler at all, whether the apocalyptic future he claims to be from is real within the scope of the film, speaks to the talented screenwriter's direction and editing. Thanks, Dave Davidson. Appreciate that. Okay, did I ask what your name is? Or did I ask <laughs> if you were a man? <laughs> Japan 4. Japan 4. Japan 4. Uh, Jonathan, Jonathan Rosenbaum of the Chicago Reader. While all of Gilliam's movies are worth seeing, there's a fair amount of his designer grimness here mixed in with the cabaret comedy. Is this the most Gilliam movie of all Gilliam movies? Oh, I don't, I'm not sure. It's close. No. It's got to be close. No, 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 no I think not. it's this close. Is so much, this is not even close. It's so much more accessible. The most Gilliam movie of all time? Uh, well, I get, I think what we're saying when I say that is I mean like, I guess I mean it's like really Gilliamed up in the way he likes to Gilliam things, which makes sense in my brain, but I, I can't imagine. It has to be, yeah. So Gilliam. Yeah. 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 Way Gilliam. Okay, well, we can disagree on or that. Or Brazil, it's, or Brazil is even. I mean, this is this is more. This is kind of accessible still. You know, this is this is for this is in his, this is after Fisher King and you know they're they're trying to make a Hollywood director out, out of yeah him. Um, yeah he's kind of like a director mm. for hire even after uh, after Moonshows which tanked even Fisher King was kind of brought to him and he's like all right I'll put my spin on it and then this toiled around forever until you know he decided to take a look at it and eventually filmed it so it really doesn't have his. Im finger imprints on it since its inception, which is kind of odd for for Gilliam. That's when things started to get mm. a little different for him. He canceled now, of course, but <laughs> this was prime Aww. Gilliam. Yeah, and, man, and, and isn't he really carrying on a lot of the themes from Fisher King in this, especially all that that like homeless kind of like surrealism that he, that, you know, in, in Fisher King. 
Yeah, I see what you're saying. Sure. I mean, there's that guy who always shows up every once in a while. Yeah. I get <laughs> Tom the Waits? We're talking Tom Waits again? <laughs> <laughs> I don't Brand, think it's Tom Waits. Go no further. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm talking about Bob. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, wait. I got to finish these. Uh, how about, oh, yeah. you know, we never hear from Arkansas on this no. show. How about Philip Martin from the Arkansas, yeah, Arkansas, Arkansas Democrat Gazette? Less an essay on the nature of madness than a crazy person's poem. It is wild and beautiful and deeply disturbing all at once. All right. He liked it. Well, that's a valid, I think that's a valid breakdown from Arkansas. Thanks, Arkansas. Peter Travers of Rolling Stone. Bruce Willis, in an eruptive performance of startling emotional intensity, stars as Cole, a prisoner tagged for an experiment that may get him killed. Thank you, Peter. This is uh, right after uh, Color of Night. We saw his dong in the pool. <laughs> that was a year before this. So That's right. That was kind of are a low point the- for him. Are any of the reviewers complaining that they're misled that he's not a Terminator because despite the red eye <laughs> yeah. on the cover box? Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> so annoying. Yep. Hey, Dustin Thompson. All right. Dustin Thompson's here. Hey, fella. In 2001, Dustin said the following. Willis and Pitt's performances, Gilliam's atmospherics, and an exhilarating momentum easily outweigh such trifling flaws. Yeah, I wish I we could find out. The, um, you have to read the rest of the review, I guess. You are. So there it is. Yeah, I mean, uh, so you've got two guys. Yeah. Bruce Willis is big. I mean, Pulp Fiction was a year before. It's Bruce Willis is at his height here, right? And mm-hmm. Brad Pitt's on the scene now. Seven came out the same year, but he's, you know, Legends of the Fall year before that. He's definitely... Not quite at his height, but he's known. He's Brad Pitt. And then yeah. there's Madeline Stowe, who I always, she always reminds me of somebody from Drama Club for some reason. I don't know why. Whenever I see her, <laughs> she reminds me of like a Sarah Hill or like, a, I don't know, somebody, maybe not quite there. I don't, I can see her face and it reminds me of somebody from drama in high school and I just cannot let that go. But you know, she's kind of underrated. I love Madeline Stowe so much most beautiful eyes i've ever seen in a in an actor of all the darkest most beautiful eyes i've ever seen i kind of hear what you're saying she's got kind of like that role body drama kid voice you know what i mean her her intonation's very kind of like i don't know it's hard to uh, explain but solid coming out of of, of, uh, last of the mohicans and uh, unlawful entry with uh, ray liotta and kurt russell (laughs) oh yeah mr skin knows that one tell me about it She's got big Anne Hathaway vibes. Yeah. I feel ah, like. That's just yeah. what I was thinking. But thank you. Thank you. Right? Thank you. Like that that yeah. they come they come from the same school of drama. Yes! Yeah. What I meant that is like she's not a bad actress. Like she's just like no. she's there. She's like Anne Hathaway. Exactly. She's a drama kid. She lives for yeah. it. She's ready for any part. Yes. Yeah. You can you can feel that in her performance, I guess. But she, you know, she was I a real I think kind of an underrated icon of the early 90s when she really had that moment when she was starring and stuff like what was that one blind blink. or whatever she was like a blind woman blink yeah blink. I loved blink when I was a kid I thought blink yeah. was amazing um I've been a while but you know there was a minute there where she was you know routine regular big kind of star and then she I feel like she kind of faded off around after this I don't know if there was many big ones I after this name one. one I couldn't name any yeah Aerosmith big done. ones um, get a grip. That was this year. <laughs> get a grip was 93, but anyways, yeah, uh, isn't this, Oh, this was uh, 90. Oh, this was 95. Yeah. 
that's okay. We're moving into 92, still without a room, without a view, you know? Anyways, <laughs> so, yeah, Metal and Stowe is underappreciated. I would say that. You're right. This might be, like... You're right. This might be the end of her run, I guess, because like, she never really was as big as yeah. she was in the 90s, right? No, it was, you know, like a lot of actors kind of like they have like their years where they're really big and then they just sort of fade off. Although if she's still working, I wouldn't mind seeing her again. She's always talented. Yeah, she she really trails off in the 2000s, hardly does anything and then really does even less and then suddenly reappears in a TV show called Revenge from 2011 to 2015, which I've never heard of, but that's oh, I'm, that was big. I remember it was a network show. It was it was big when it came out. It was like she was in the TV show it. too. Twelve Monkeys. She played one. She was on one episode of Twelve Monkeys, the TV show, playing Lillian in 2016. Oh, that's so funny. I guess I must have missed that one. It must be in the last season. Yeah, or I don't I, remember it, but I feel like that would have stuck out to me. Yeah, clearly it would have. Uh, she was also in We Were Soldiers. That's the last big movie, I guess. She, that was 20 years ago. So, sorry, the general's daughter. Oh God, uh, it got a little bogus for Madeline Stowe, but that's okay. So, uh, yeah, the, this is a Gilliam movie. Madeline Stowe's there. Bruce Willis, Brad Pitt, uh, Tom Waits is farting around. Uh, you got the same. Mm. I had the same setup for me, guys. Thinking uh, we did Time Bandits on this show, which you can go back and check out the Time Bandits episode anytime you want on YouTube or in podcast form. It, to me, it was the same setup in a way with these <laughs> these doctors and Bruce Willis. There's like these check-ins where they're like, they're checking in with him. He goes back into this world. He comes out of his world. And then with Time Bandits, you had like the guy, who, the scumbag who runs everything with his minions next to him. And like, we go into the world, we come out of it again. I felt like it was the exact same setup in that way. I couldn't get it out of my mind. Yeah. I mean, I think Terry Gilliam really likes asylums <laughs> Again, with Fisher King. Uh, he likes asylums. He likes dirty streets. He likes, was it you, Mike, that our text thread in our text thread that called it Dutch angle, the movie. That was pretty funny. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, there's, there's some very specific stylistic moves and thematic choices that the man made, particularly in this era. I feel like after, you know, because the next movie he did after this was Fear and Loathing, which I think kind of took him in a different direction, which he needed to go in. I think he was kind of starting. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, this movie is well directed, but it is kind of, like you can feel that this is, you know, this is like, uh, what is it? The Blue Door and Georgia O'Keefe, right? Like you kind of get the sense like this is he's he's in a vibe. He's in a mode here. Yes, and another movie we did, it reminded me of fucking Ghost Dog with the cartoons. How many cartoons? Did you notice how many cartoons on the television we saw in and out? It was the same setup. Oh, the time tunnel It cartoon? freaked me out. Okay. There's several cartoons in this movie where when he, when he gets into the asylum for the first time and there's up close of cartoon hijinks, and it immediately made me think of Ghost Dog. So. Well, there, there's so much, you know, there's, there's so many moments where Brad Pitt gets to, like, preempt Tyler Durden in this movie. There's so much anti-consumerism and anti-television. You know, TV is a place where you can like see animal cruelty and very disturbing images. And it's, uh, you know, it's where the news is being like, we're getting fed news that isn't reality. And it, there's, there's, there's a lot of that going on in the movie, I think. Yeah. There's jump scares from cartoons. It's stupid. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know, man. Like, but, I was really surprised on this latest viewing that I was kind of irritated by Brad Pitt's performance. Ah, Am I alone ah, here? Ah. Wow. Nope. Nope. I'm with you a little bit. Yeah, got a little irritating. He, 
I, th- I feel like that. I mean, where have we seen Brad Pitt let loose like this before? Maybe California a little <laughs> tiny bit. With a, a K. With a K, with a K, California with a K. Yeah. Right? Like, I feel like this is one of the first times where someone really just wound him up and let him loose and said, you be crazy. And he went, oh, I get to just completely go ape shit with my brown painted fucking weird ass <laughs> eye contact things uh which are they don't like that works on vhs it doesn't work on hd you know? <laughs> Man. yeah there is a part of it where i see what you're saying eric and i was like oh i, I don't want to be overly critical here maybe i am be but at the same time it's such a unique performance to his career because he like you said travis he doesn't you think about all the roles he's ever done he's done a lot of great work but it doesn't deviate a ton from kind of like he's the handsome stoic guy. I mean, Benjamin Button, he clearly was not, but generally that's what I'm saying. Those are outliers to his career for the most part. And uh, I don't want to be too harsh on him, but I mean, no. there were moments I was like, is this good? Is he, is this worth all? Cause it gets so much praise. It's an 8.0 movie. Like I was, it's a big deal. I mean, it, it's a fantastic performance. Don't get me wrong. I think I, I think a lot of it is due to the horrible ADR on almost all of his lines in the hospital. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Like whenever he There's shouts, it's like, "Are you serious with this uh, ADR? It's really bad." And uh, again, when when uh, the the whole sequence in the during the he's party, like, colonics for everyone. It's like, oh my god, that's cringeworthy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right about that. That might be the only ADR. <laughs> I will say there's the circle beds is cool gestures. though. There's a lot of hand. Oh yeah, there's this. there's a lot of gesturing, um, and uh, that kind of business going on with them. But it is a really fun and memorable performance, and I've always really liked it. Is it maybe a little more over the top than I remembered? Yeah, okay, sure, but a little campy. But I think it fits in this movie. Also, uh, steampunk MD. That's what I named all those doctors. Their whole practice. So. <laughs> Yeah, it's a new TV show coming out. But also, <laughs> the way they had the beds in a circular shape in that room in the asylum, I thought that was a great idea. That makes a lot of sense because that way you got total, you got no obstructions and you can keep an eye on everybody. I don't, it means nothing to the movie and nobody else cares. But I, I thought, the Panopticon. I'm yeah, gonna do it. I liked it. That's a good idea. I always thought it was a good idea for a classroom too. You get to have everybody facing each other. I dig it. Although you're sleeping, maybe you don't want to be looking. Uh, I, 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 I don't. <laughs> There's that. Uh, how many times does Bruce Willis drool in this movie? <laughs> yeah. At least, At least three. Drool budgets At least three. Okay. Drool. All right. The thing is, and I, I took a, I haven't seen this in about maybe 10 years or so, and every time I watch this movie, I'm struck just how good Bruce Willis is. And this is 1995, and you got to think, this is a guy that is like at the, in his prime, like this. This is a kind of a big risk. Like he's like he's yeah. he's taking all of his vanity and pushing it aside completely to the extreme, and he's just emoting like the scene in the car where he's crying with the radio. I mean, I bet yeah. you a lot of these A-list hunks just would not go there. I'm gonna say right now, this is the performance of his career. Mm, yeah, yeah. This is the best performance yeah. I think he ever did. Yeah. I really think so. I mean, he really, he went all out too in a way that works. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not over the top. It it's not striking believable. distance? <laughs> it's no striking distance. It's no, no Mercury uh, Rising? 
Yeah, that's what I was trying to think of. Mercury Rising. Uh, Hudson uh, Hawk? What was that one? Something about a hawk? Or the Hudson? Adventures of Hudson. That's Dang. a good movie, man. Oh, okay. Maybe I'm being a little harsh on that one. Yeah, he's yeah. fucking No, you're right. He's really... You're right, guys. He's really good in this movie. I That's exactly the same response I had. I was like, oh, wow. I was surprised because I'd only seen this once, and it was only a couple years ago, so it's not burned in my memory. That... What you just talked about, Eric, with the radio, and he does that stuff, and he's holding right. Metal and Stowe hostage, yeah. making your drive to Philadelphia, and he's having all these moments with these songs and music, <laughs> yeah. and and actually, it also really, I think this movie does a really excellent job of letting you know as a viewer, or not just letting you know, but giving you a sense of how cherished it is to be in this pre. Uh, diseased world where the air and the sunshine like Bruce his character is so grateful for all of it and it really puts us in a world now in 2023 where we are 20 plus years after this movie almost 30 years later where it seems a little bit more like it, it kind of hit me I was like oh my god this is this is kind of frightening because of where we're going these days with the the world uh, climate I guess to say is one example and then just having a pandemic that happened in real life it was it was really kind of hit me hard and I wasn't expecting that yeah I, I totally agree <laughs> Travis <laughs> um, I, I do think I, I think that he does great work here I think that I've got some critiques though that are I think that are more story critiques than acting critiques, but there's a few things that happen in this movie. I'm like, why the fuck is this going okay, on? Okay, bring it. When he when he when he comes back the second time to kidnap her, he's like covering his face and he's talking like this. Like, why why are you talking like this? Why are you covering your face? It doesn't yeah. make any sense because he literally he like literally there's no point to it. We know who it is, and he reveals himself to her within moments. It's really weird. And then like there's like this also this moment where you're kind of like, wait, is he about to like? They're kind of like kissing they're outside almost they're like really close and you're like oh shit wait a minute he's like grabbing her uh is he is he gonna fucking rape her and then you're like wait a minute and then she's you think that she might be dead because we get some news radio what happened thing. there that's stupid it's so fuck? stupid what are, yeah what are these what are, what are these dodges and fakes that are happening with this plot here what happened like there specifically in that moment that you just talked about the second part? Nothing. They put him, he put her in the trunk of the car and that was it. And then a body was found though later? Like just hap- yeah, it just so happened that some other woman was found and they thought maybe it was Rayleigh. I was lost. Like, okay. I was lost in that part. I truly was. I was like, what the fuck's going on here? Is this going to come back later? And it didn't. No, no. It's like all in the span of like three minutes. She's back to normal drinking coffee in her apartment. And then we got this mutilated body. Christopher Maloney blows in with this big report. Like, what the fuck is going on here? Yeah, you're Playing right. In the 90s. Yeah. yeah wow. It's a little weird. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you, Travis. Yeah, I was really confused and it never got fixed. So well, I was left that, like, like Mike, uh, speaking of confusion, like we're watching this at 15, Travis and I, like, I guess like we think we get it. But like when you watch it at 40, probably 40, a couple years ago, Mike, do you like get it immediately? Is there no questions here or what? No, I, I was still confused. It was it was confusing for me. It's one of those total recall style things where I cannot make any more sense of it even with 25 more years of experience than you guys had. That's just me I, though. I can, I can tell you that like watching it the other night, it probably been 15 years or so since I watched it. Uh, watching it the other night, 
I remember th- like one of the things that stuck out to me is as a kid, I never even caught that I'm supposed to think that maybe it's in his head and, and maybe it, like that whole that whole thing that's so like obvious to me now. I mean, you, there's even a moment when it pivots where she where she comes to understand that he is a time when we and the audience, you know, where Rayleigh and the audience come to understand that he really is a time traveler. It's really well done. But I didn't grasp it. Me neither. I just didn't fucking grasp it. And since I watched it over and yeah. over again, you did the same thing. It, it never occurred to me because we, I mean, we follow the story through him, and everything just seems factual and matter of fact. Is he's traveling through time? That's all there is to it. I mean, you could probably uh, structure it differently and make that come across a little bit more. But for me, yeah, I, there was no doubt about it. So there was no big surprise there. It was cool when she finds the bullet. Very, very cool. Yeah. But it wasn't like a oh shit, he's telling the truth moment, which it maybe could have been. Yeah, it was too um, confusing maybe. for me as a newcomer. I, also, I had no clue. I just couldn't get. I was like, I don't know what's happening. I'm trying to follow all this. Oh, really? <laughs> I I also never picked up until this viewing the importance of Jones being on the plane at the end and being like, I'm an insurance. I just never. I was like, who's Jones? <laughs> I, just, I, was, I don't know. I didn't realize it yeah, was her. No. I, and then when I did, I didn't realize the importance of it. No, I just she was one it. of the steampunk MDs, right? Yeah, she's one of the MDs. steampunk MDs, and she's gonna she's gonna actually be able to get the, you know. So while while he could, you know, while he while things played out for Cole the way that it had to, the way it always had, she now is going to be able to at least get that core form of the virus, whatever they supposedly needed. Okay, so let's clear this for the audience and for myself, too, for my own edification. So he ended up really being a time traveler. It wasn't in his mind. Oh, yeah. Okay. 100%. So I was, uh, that's what I say. I was, cl- I was unsure. I, I really started to be confused. By the time they get to the airport, after we've seen that goddamn scene like five times in the movie with the same music and the same setup with the blonde wigs. <laughs> I'm like, okay. That was the first thing that annoyed me actually the most by just turning the movie out. I'm like, oh, fuck. I remember this. This scene comes through like <laughs> eight times. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah it's a, yeah, but it's like, I know it's a reality because I saw it one time before, but I yeah, did it's the worst kind of dream sequence because you can't tell if it's reality or a dream. Exactly. So really I was really confused. But in the, once they get to the airport and his buddy Jose shows up again and is like, dude, this is for real. I'm like, oh, shit. So, because at that moment, I really didn't know if it was in his mind or if it was a time traveling situation. But, but to be clear, for people who've seen the movie, this is a time traveling situation. Yeah, all the World War One sequence stuff was supposed to be the big tip off to that because we get we get the like like Eric referenced the bullet getting dated to the you know hundred year old bullet that comes out of his flesh, and then also we get that picture of him, you know, uh, going after Jose in the book. Uh, that's, so it's confirmation. But that's what pisses me off about what you brought up earlier, Travis. That section of the film where it's handled so poorly when Maloney is on the scene all of a sudden. That's why I got so confused, really, because I was like, oh, shit, we went to World War One. It's obvious he's in a trench, in, well, trench foots everywhere. He's in World War One when he first goes there. But then the bullet stuff, I was like, wait a minute, what are they trying to tell me? And I don't need my stuff spoon-fed. You guys know I don't want everything spoon-fed. But the story was told so poorly to me that I was just left dumbfounded unsure of what was happening it's very strange because the first 20 minutes like yeah he goes to collect the sample and like it's kind of a big detour because they send him to the wrong time and that's why he's at the hospital and mm-hmm. it, it's just like a mistake in by the doctors that he went back there it it's mostly just to give us a lot of information about <laughs> about the story and then i'm watching it a few days ago and i'm like well shit i never, i don't know if i really put that together what what exactly does cole tell Brad Pitt that makes him want to free monkeys. I remember him saying that you should wipe out the human race, but why does the, why did they say that he 
put the put the thought into his brain to be to to let loose all the animals. So the conversation takes place when they're watching the monkey die uh, through animal cruelty from science. And so, and Cole is making the point that, you know, he, what he's, what he's back in time for and cause he's worried about what's going to happen, but he becomes convinced that he thinks that he's given Goins the idea to, you know, to unleash the virus. But in fact, he's going, he's given Goins or Goins got the idea in that period to, uh, to free the monkeys. But you're right though, because Goins does remember the whole, like what he actually was talking about. Uh-huh. Cause when he confronts uh-huh. him at the party, uh-huh. he's talking about viruses uh-huh. and like, Oh, you had that idea and all that kind of stuff, which feels like a uh, scriptural misdirection. Mm, and that boy. doesn't quite compute. Yikes. Right. I mean, there's right? a lot of, uh, this movie is a lot of fun, but we see mm. a picture <laughs> of, we see a picture of Goins father in the future as if the doctors know him and have already tied this virus to him, and yet they don't know where to trace it to. Well, it comes from his lab, so it would be it would be traced to him, wouldn't it? Yeah. So why <laughs> can't they just go back there and make sure that like <laughs> it doesn't get out? I mean, I don't understand why oh, they boy. can't fix it. Go back yeah. and kill Goins before he founds the. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We See, this read is into it. this is the. This is the problem with time travel movies. It's all the shit with the Avengers and all the every time travel movie ever. It's a dangerous place to be in because you you yeah you can start tearing it apart. So let's just not even do it. Let's just focus on whether it's a good movie or not, and the acting's good enough because that whole section of it is just going to cause us endless time loops. It really is. True. (laughs) Um, By the way, Christopher Plummer is like hardly in this movie, and I was expecting more of him for some reason, but he's really. It's amazing that he was in this movie because. He's not in it much, really. He's such a respected, longtime, legendary actor. I, I thought it was cool that he was in it. I wondered if more stuff got cut out, too. I wouldn't be surprised if more had been cut out of him. That would That's a good guess. But also, you look at his IMDb. That man just worked True. constantly. I mean, he, I mean, he was, he'd be, like, starring in one movie, like, you know, on the main cast, and then immediately after like pick something up where he's popped in two or three scenes then go on you know he just kind of he always worked yeah hmm. plus he's uh, got Eric that Chubbud said that uh, oh here we go oh sorry go two ahead. weeks ago i watched this without prompting without prompting wow he enjoyed it i actually said out loud i am jack's worldview good call travis <laughs> all, right. all right yeah um Plummer also has that look where you kind of would believe that he's going to be like the the guy that unleashes it. I think that's probably mm. why they casted him a lot. You could totally buy him as being like not, the... Uh, not once you, know, you saw David bad. Morse's orange hair with a ponytail. That was the real <laughs> giveaway. It's like, oh, that okay. He's talking about Christ. He's got orange hair and a ponytail and a story. David Morse never looked more out of his element in this role than he did in this role. This is not a David Morse role at all to me. <laughs> It's a it's a very different role for him. I, I I don't I mean he would he was working before this. He'd done oh, like God, Indian yeah, Runner yeah. or um, yeah, Crossing Runner, Guard was that year too. Guard. Yeah, so he was he was Staying working. Elsewhere. So he, yeah, I feel like yeah, it's, I almost it should have been someone maybe a little less known, you know, because you because like you watch the movie and I don't know maybe it wasn't obvious to me the first, it's so far back in my memory it's hard to remember. You know, how I first felt about it, but you watch it now, it seems really obvious. Like, well, he's the creep, really? he's the bad guy. <laughs> Are you kidding me? He's the doomsday guy. No, me and my right? me and my wife call David Morris kind eyes. We always have because he's got those sweet kind eyes, and yeah, I think that's the I same know. thing. Like, he just looks like this sweet guy. But hell no, 
No, I'm with tra- Travis. Listen, listen to him. Yeah, okay, he's got kind eyes. <laughs> yeah. Listen to what he's saying. Yeah, especially well, yeah. when he meets Riley at the, the yeah, book that's signing. What I'm saying. Fucking yeah. orange hair, the ponytails. It's just everything about him. It's it's uh to me it's not a very Morsian performance. I mean it's Morsian. <laughs> he's doing his thing, but you know, Morsian. he's He's the kind of guy who's always like telling people what to do. He's not like a guy you would who would be afraid of anybody. And he, I don't. I suppose he's not afraid of anybody in this role. But I don't know. I don't think Green Mile. I think uh, negotiator, <laughs> proof of life, the negotiator. <laughs> yes, exactly. He's a fucking Contact. SWAT commander. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. He's always the dad or a SWAT commander. He's in yep. charge. Nobody's yeah. going to be fearful of him. He's running shit twenty four seven. That's David Morse. <laughs> So it's a little bit against type, which isn't a terrible call or no! anything. I, I just think no. it's really obvious that he's the one to look out for. Mm. I just they should have gave him orange hair. That was stupid. That's my big beef. I know Terry <laughs> Gilliam's gotta get all gilliamed, but that should just had a regular brown hair or something. Keep that simple. It's dead giveaway. Travis, you lived in Philadelphia for many years. Uh would it be that easy for them to immediately arrive in Philadelphia and automatically find the 12 Monkeys lair in like five minutes? <laughs> oh, yeah, it's just in Kensington. Oh, okay. I mean, Philadelphia is not big. <laughs> All it's, right. it's really not. Well, what kind of information big. do they have, though? He Did looked he up, have information? Yeah, they were in the car. He looked at like a building, and the 12 Monkeys sign was like behind some newspapers. And then like he f- literally <laughs> followed a paint trail to get oh. to their headquarters. <laughs> a paint trail. Yeah. Um, that was convenient. That was very, very convenient. <sighs> I will say um, it's weird watching the movie because, like, as I'm watching it this time, I'm like, "Oh, that's the Wanamaker. That's the Wanamaker building. That's where Macy's is. Okay. Uh, the whole where, where they where he does the shopping, where they get the clothes, and mm-hmm. but he has like the flashback where he'd seen the yeah. the thing fly. I used that's where I shopped for my clothes. No way. The whole time I lived there. Oh, <laughs> really, yeah, you know, it was weird. You know, it's crazy we haven't brought up at all, guys. And this. Mm. Again, another movie connection for me. Three movie connections. Very weird. This is just like the movie that came out the same year with Cable Guy with the Ricky Newman kid in the well shit. It reminded me of Ben Stiller character on Trial for His Life and Cable Guy. We're getting constant updates on TV about the trial of the century. <laughs> and it made me think of that. Again, this Ricky yes. Newman, this damn kid in the well, which didn't end Sweet up being shit. Yeah, the Sweet brother. Thank Sweet you. Brothers. Thank you. Sam is yeah, yeah. yeah, like every like five minutes they cut to the radio station. All the cast members shut up and listen to it. <laughs> uh, monkey's going to eat that roast beef sandwich. Yeah. Also, I mean, do you think a lot of people probably were like, oh, he's probably hiding in a barn. It was in a rural area. Like, it didn't seem like that big of a coincidence. Like, could he be on the roof of a school? And they'd be like, well, how could you possibly have known that? <laughs> it happened in real life. Remember that kid in the balloon like 10 years I remember ago? It. Yeah. I that was that. a hoax. It totally happened. So great hoax. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Well. Uh. Yeah. You guys want to do this short? I think we're done. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm good. I just wanted. I mean, I think uh, we. Uh, yeah, the bozo music was annoying, and uh, let's see. Oh, that uh, bear would have ate the shit out of coal. There's nothing to eat there. Oh yeah, yeah. That, that's a hungry bear, bear, right? That beetle would have been underground or inside of a tree or something. <laughs> crawl around the fucking snow. Beetles yeah. don't crawl in the snow. <laughs> volunteering sucks. I learned that. Don't volunteer. Uh, it's not really why volunteering. Are they in prison? Why is volunteering <laughs> hell? Yeah, why are they in Future yeah, suck. It, it's one thing yeah. if like you're bu- underground because there's a virus, but it's another thing yeah. that you're turned into a totalitarian society <laughs> where everyone's locked down. That's not explained at all, Travis. You're right. No, you're right. <laughs> why are they in prison? 
Yeah. <laughs> this is best for everyone. No, it's not even explained that way. See-through plastic raincoats or uniforms. <laughs> <laughs> Dang, man. Oh, fuck. Uh, great yeah. production design. <laughs> oh, very distinct. Yeah. Like, especially in the future, there's like... Like I timed it. There's like like a like a two second shot of like when he's getting his gear on. It's like lasts like two seconds and like it's immaculately set dressed with stuff I've never seen before in like a quote unquote future movie. Just awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good call. You're right. It's I mean it's it's very, very, very well done. All of the set design and the costuming and everything. It's very unique. Although at the same time it's not unique like you already said earlier. It's very Gilliam like, but it's it's uh, his thing. It's what he likes to do. He likes to get weird with it and go in different directions. Steampunk, futuristic nightmares, homeless disasters, all rolled into one. Uh, that's. Um, I got a question. How good. long do you think it would take to remove your teeth and someone else's with a switchblade? Oh, yeah. <laughs> God, I forgot about that guy. Is that a thing you can do? Can you just pop out your teeth and someone else's teeth and just shove them into the roots? Is that, <laughs> that the way things work? <laughs> Just shove them in there I and they watched, stay in there? No. You can talk I watched Schindler's List recently. Life? They took huh? his tooth out. And that was like a. I watched Schindler's List like a week ago and they take his gold tooth out. And it was like a real hardcore process. So I think Schindler's List was much more realistic when it comes to removing teeth than this movie was. I'm not even, I'm not even talking about the removal. I'm talking about taking someone else's tooth and shoving it in oh, your like, tooth hole. Like how <laughs> is oh, that going to no, work? That, that, did he do that? I thought he just ripped out his own. I didn't know that we did. We get a shot of the tooth in there? No, he's, he's like some fucking crazy dentist. Remember? Like, yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. I, Isn't that what he happening? rips it he out? out? I just he, yeah, yeah. He takes out his tooth and he takes out the 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 fucking pimp. Oh, the I thought tooth. the pimp was just fucking scared at seeing him rip yeah, out his own. Yeah, that's tooth. what I thought too. I thought he didn't then touch why, the guy. He only hurt himself. Oh, then why does he? Then why does he? Why does he have teeth still for the rest of the movie? Molar? Because he, it's the one key tooth. I thought it was the one key tooth that he had to rip out. It oh, wasn't all well, the teeth. But Bob showed it was the two front teeth. Oh, I got to get in the well, tooth, look what we're doing here. We're, <laughs> <laughs> Scraping the barrel. We got some Either way, he was not here. in unbearable pain for the rest of the movie. That's for damn sure. No, no. He had bigger <laughs> fish to fry, so. That's for sure. Have, you, have, you, ever, have you ever extracted a tooth no. with a switchblade? No, I've had it done. It takes like three hours of pulling and tugging. Yes. Fucking nightmare. Yeah. And extracting your own tooth is brutal. You don't want anybody else to do it, let alone you're going to do it yourself. That's in off the world other world ridiculously <laughs> absurd shit well, all right well eric you picked this movie uh yeah you want to lead us off on 12 monkeys does it hold up or not when i finished watching it last week i had this kind of weird feeling it was sometimes you get this feeling when you've seen a movie just so many fucking times that you're just like nonplussed when it ends <laughs> I'm kind of sorry to say I was like, yeah, I, I've kind of like I've seen it and it's did its thing and I'm ready to move on. Like it's a it's a truly a work of technical and creative genius. I love this script purely by Dave Peoples, one of the great screenwriters, Blade Runner, Unforgiven uh, and Terry Gilliam pretty much followed it to the T. So this screenplay, as far, especially when it comes to time travel movies, is wholly original for so many reasons, uh, not the least of which the fact that it's it's not a movie where someone has to go save humanity. It's said in a very maudlin, affecting way that this is not going to change anything, that humanity is fucked. And that's why when we talk about this 
sentimentalism of the present and appreciation for what we have strikes me in a big way even still when I watch this movie there's a lot of sweet moments about you know life and existence and appreciating what we have not taking things for granted but yeah I mean it's a fucking awesome movie there's no doubt about it man performances are off the chart yeah that's fucking song every five minutes but all in all man it's a fucking classic holds up completely Oh, what a day. Uh, I'll go next since I'm the newbie, and then we'll bookend it with the other long timer. Uh, it's a fun movie, sort of, but it's not really that fun. Uh, it's not fun at all, actually. No, I'm saying that out loud. It's You know, it's not fun. You know, it's not fun. It's 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 not my, it's not my type of movie, exactly. It's uh, sci-fi bizarro, like... Not really a comedy, but some stuff's supposed to be funnier than maybe it ends up being or should be or wants to be. I love Terry Gilliam. I mean, that says it all. And I really just got confused by some of the shit that went down in the movie, which maybe that doesn't matter because what is the point of this film? Is it, do I really need to have a point? Do I have to watch 12 Monkeys and be like, okay, so now I understand A, B, and C. Or is it an entertainment experience that takes me away from my life for an hour and a half to two hours? These are questions that other people will ask themselves. I ask that myself. When I think of this movie, I just don't get that excited. Bruce Willis is incredible. Like Travis said, it really could be his best performance. It really could be. It's, it's up there for sure. It's outstanding. And... I want to give him full credit for that. Brad Pitt's whatever. It's Brad Pitt. You know, Brad Pitt has the greatest life ever. So I don't like giving a guy who has the best life of the world already more accolades. He's rock solid in this film. It's fine. It's a little bit goofy for me, but he's supposed to be off his rocker. But at the same time, off his rocker is an outdated term because with mental health disorders, we have real defined terms that we put on things. So what is his issue exactly? That's another thing too. This movie dives into the world of asylums and people who are mentally ill. Uh, we get we get mentally divergent. That's used several times, but that's about it. And okay, I, I guess you know it's not. It's focus of the film is not about mental illness, but is it? It kind of tries to go down that road to make you think one thing and then think another. So it, it's a mixed bag, but it, it certainly wasn't. It wasn't awful, and it wasn't like. Uh, a nightmare for me to watch by any means. It was pretty entertaining. I think Madeline Stowe is a lot of fun. I like seeing her in movies. So I put all that together. I'll give it a holds up. I'm not, it's not like a ringing, exciting endorsement, but it holds up. It's fine. Yeah, to kind of continue your theme there a little bit where you were on, I think Gilliam, he really respects and wants to like celebrate the contributions that the mentally ill and the homeless can make to society to life like he, he he it's they're important to him in his movies and and they're important in his plots uh and and you know i, I and i like that i i've always really liked that um sometimes i think he kind of mystifies them a little bit and maybe kind of turns them into like these mystical kind of things almost it's like uh, uh, you know you're borderline exploitive then um but it, it is a very, as a movie, uh, it's incredibly, yeah, uh, it's very, it's got such a specific look. And for me personally, growing up with it, I mean, like, yeah, like Eric, I, I just watched this so many times that it's just, uh, there's a reason why I hadn't watched it in a long time. I, I pretty much got it in the bones. I've got it understood. Although, you know, that said, I, I, I 
talked about how I, I understood the structure of the movie a lot better this time than I ever did before. And that last bit about Joan. So I did get some new things out of it. So I'm glad that I revisited um, that said, yeah, it is a very maudlin film. Um, it is a bit of a bummer and uh, something of a nineties classic though. And uh, I'm glad to have watched it again. I think it absolutely holds up. Hey, look at that. A clean sweep for 12 monkeys. Not the TV show, the film from 1995, directed by Terry Gilliam. Okay, cinemanipod at gmail.com. Let us know what you thought of today's episode. You know, We did something different, but we're not even going to tell you what it is. We're going to see if you <laughs> could figure it out on your own. Let us know. Cinemanipod at gmail.com. Uh, who's up next week? Is it my turn? I'm lost. Yeah, yeah, it's you. Okay, all right. I was just double-checking because... I'm a fool. So for next week, you know, the last time I picked a movie, I had it down between two, but we went back to 95 here. So I don't know if I want to get us out of the 90s or not. I kind of feel like maybe I do. I always like to, you know, go in a different direction from where we were. And. Uh, but then I don't want to go like all the way to now because I did the end of the tour on my last pick. So maybe we should go back to the 80s, you know. But we don't do enough 80s movies on this show anyways. No, Isn't that we true? we really don't. We yeah, just we did really 81, don't. the episode before last. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Or you know, the last episode was My Dinner with Andre, 1981. Oh, yeah. For some reason, I don't think but, of that as an 80s movie, even though literally it is an 80s movie. Timeless. Mm. What is your heart? Or 80, you, Mike. 1980 came out, right? <laughs> what is my heart? Oh, you know what my heart tells me? Yeah, you know what? I've always wanted to do a movie like this. I don't think we've done one yet. I'm pretty sure we haven't. So... I'm going to pick, I guess I'd have to be stuck in the 90s to do it. Yeah, uh, I don't think there's any way out of it. Okay. Yeah, we're stuck in the 90s. So let's, <laughs> it's fine. Don't worry about it. I'll be fine. No. I want to do a parody film. There's not, they don't do those anymore. They used to do them all the time. You know, like scary movie, those types of movies. I don't think we've done oh. any of those yet at all. Like uh, there's, I'm pretty sure we haven't. I have to double check our library, but no, no, I want to do, I wanted to pick a film that is uh, the satire, the parody of other movies. It got way off the tracks with like, I don't know. I think they stopped doing them, but they were doing like, they weren't even being clever about it. It was called disaster movie or something like 10 years ago. It just got stupid. But for me, let's go back to a time when parody movies were done right. I want to do Hot Shots Part 2. <laughs> Not one. We're going to go to two. Hot Shots Part 2. You. Shots Part 2. Hot Shots Part 2. <laughs> Wild card. All right. Yeah. First sequel. <laughs> nope. That's not true. Um, we did what? War Ragnarok. Me and Mike did. Oh. Uh, yeah. Yeah. How could you forget Hot that Shots one, Eric? I'm stunned you forgot that one. So. I didn't do the, sh the episode. Yeah. Fuck, man, you're right. Hot Shots Part 2. Hot shots, times. Takes me back. I have pneumonia. Nineteen. Yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah. these are a genre of films. There were very popular once upon a time. So I'm going to take it back to that. 1991. I think it was the year after Hot Shots one, or 92. Either way, we'll do that next week. Hot Shots Part Two. <laughs> <laughs> I have to do it like that. You have to. You can't say Part Two. And that's the show. We want to thank you guys for watching. Eric, Travis, Michael. It's been a pleasure. Enjoy your lives. We'll catch you next time. I don't really come from outer space. All in good fun. All in good fun.